In these days of lengthening shadows of our nation and our world circumstances, God gives the Christians spiritual eyes to see through the darkness. The book of Colossians tells us that the Lord has delivered us from the power of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. We're sons of light, sons and daughters of light, not of darkness. And yet the world dims around us, it darkens around us. We can see shadows around us that some of us, of course, are concerned about, not only for ourselves, but for our children and grandchildren and what's to come before us. As a New Testament Christians, we need to examine the scriptures rightly interpreted. Now, please do that, right, rightly interpreted. It's vital for us to see in these present days uh, the Lord's promises to his people. This will keep spiritual sanity and a testimony. I want to look at Philippians chapter 4 if I could, but I'd like to start off in the book of Philippians in chapter 1 for a moment, please, just to set the scene. The book of Philippians chapter 1. To set the scene behind it, Paul has been incarcerated in Rome. He is uh, under house arrest. His uh, future is dim. We do not know. He does not know exactly what will befall him. He's trusting the Lord that God will deliver him from it, from it. And yet, at any time, the pronouncement could come from Caesar himself that Paul is to have his head removed. So Paul, in this place of turmoil, in this place of problem, if you would, incarcerated, is writing this book of the Philippians to the Philippian church. And what's interesting to me is throughout the book, in 16 different times and used in various ways, is the term joy. Now, if you were in prison writing a book, and perhaps you would be facing death, would any of your letters include the term joy in it? Well, yours might. I'm afraid mine would not be part of that. Paul is writing and letting the church at Philippi know that though he is in his present circumstances, God is doing something. And that's true of all Christians, no matter what circumstance you go through. Listen, you might have gotten yourself into that. Maybe it's not your fault. But whatever it is, God is doing something, and God wants to use this present circumstance to work in your life. He has a purpose in everything he allows and everything he does. But what he wants us to do is face it with joy, with joy. You say, well, I don't see how we can get some joy out of this. Well, let's look at the text, and perhaps you and I will both learn. Notice in verse 12 of Philippians chapter 1, he says, but I would that you should understand, brethren, that the things which have happened unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel. He uses a term very interesting when he's talking about the furtherance of the gospel is that the term was for Roman woodcutters, and these men would cut a path to the next place they were going to invade or attack. They'd cut a path known as a Roman road. They exist to this day, these Roman roads. They're roads that have been cut through the wildernesses. They've been paved with flat stones, and to this very day, those roads exist. The furtherance of the gospel, Paul said, the woodcutters have gone ahead. God has sent this into my life to bring the gospel further. And so as he's giving us all of these truths through this book of Philippians, he keeps saying God's doing something, and we need to look at what God has to say about this. How could Paul 
think about joy at this time because he looked beyond his present circumstances. And he looked to the Lord for God's word, God's truth, and to rely upon the Lord. You'll notice, please, Paul lets us know in 3.17, for our citizenship, our conversation, the place that we dwell, for our citizenship is in heaven from which we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our lowly body that he may fashion it like unto his glorious body according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. So Paul said, no matter what happens to this body, recognize this, God's going to do something different to it. That's a promise from the word of God. How could Paul look at the circumstances around him, the present circumstances, incarcerated with all the pressures of that, how could he look to the Lord in that? Well, this is our text. And yet, as we follow the Apostle Paul, we see that the answer, really, is simple, and yet it's profound. The answer is easy, and yet it's a difficult task. The answer is physical, and yet it requires spiritual trust. Is that some kind of double talk? No, that's what Paul mentioned about his whole life. His whole life was like that. Turn with me, if you would, to 2 Corinthians chapter 6 for a moment. The apostle's whole life was filled with great difficulty and yet spiritual blessing. Great difficulty and yet a peace that passes all understanding. Great difficulty in the physical sense and yet spiritually he was uplifted everywhere he went. And we see that in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Let's start right in verse 1 if we could. We then as workers together with him beseech you that you receive not the grace of God in vain. For he has said, I have heard thee in, in the time accepted, and in the day of salvation have I uh, helped thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Giving no offense to anything that the ministry be not blamed, but in all things commending ourselves as the ministers of God in much patience, in affliction, in necessities, and in distresses. See that? You want to be a testimony to the Lord Jesus Christ no matter what your present condition you want, to be a, you want to be a light to a dark world. You want to make sure you're shining as an instrument of the Lord Jesus Christ, no matter what your present condition. Your present condition is temporal. We need to look at the eternal. Pick it up, please, in verse 6. He says, in stripes and imprisonments, in tumults and labors, in watchings and fastings, by pureness of knowledge, by long-suffering, by kindness, by the Holy Spirit, by love unfeigned, by the word of truth, by the power of God, by the armor of righteousness on the right hand and on the left. Now listen, please. By honor and dishonor, by evil report and good report, as deceivers and yet true, as unknown and yet well known, as dying and behold we live, as chastened and not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing yet possessing all things. You see, the physical is temporal. Now, for some of you young people, I understand. Well, what are you talking about? I'm, I'm just getting started in this life. Don't blink. Don't blink. Because it moves ahead of you faster than the speed of light. One day at a time. And Paul said, the sufferings of this present time aren't worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. Paul wants us to recognize, and he was a perfect example of this. Now, the Apostle Paul said it, but where did he get his information? Turn with me to the Gospel of John and chapter 16, please. Where did Paul get his information? Well, 
According to the book of Acts, he received it from the Lord Jesus Christ himself, who taught him for approximately three years somewhere in the desert. We do not know where exactly in the desert, but the Lord Jesus taught him. I'll ask you, how long did he teach the 12 disciples? Three years, spent the same amount of time with Paul. And Paul got a one-on-one -on -one lesson with our Lord Jesus Christ. And as the Lord Jesus, this is his last week on earth. This is his ministry is going to end. And he, he's gathered his disciples together, the 11 plus probably. And he lets them know, starting in, let's go right to verse 16. He says, uh, a little while and you shall not see me. And again, a little while and you shall see me because I go to my father. And of course, the disciples, what does that mean? A little while and you won't see me, and then a little while and you'll see me. What is all this about? He's preparing them. Look at verse 22, please. And ye know therefore, and have sorrow, but I will see you again, and your heart shall rejoice, and your joy no man shall take from you. And in that day you shall ask me nothing. Verily, verily, I say unto you, whatever you shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it unto you. So the Lord Jesus is preparing them for his departure. It's going to be a difficult departure, and he knows that. And he knows what they will do. He said, I will, I will hang on the cross, and you will scatter. You will run away from me. And, of course, that prophecy was exactly true. But now our Lord Jesus comes down to, picking it up, please, in verse 32. Behold, the hour cometh, yea, and now is come, and you shall be scattered every man to his own, and shall leave me alone, and yet I am not alone, because the Father is with me. Very important. Verse 33. These things have I spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. You realize what he just told these brothers and sisters in Christ? He let them know that whatever the world faces, they will face. That includes external problems, sicknesses, grave health problems in varied ways. Whatever the world faces, that's what they're going to face. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. The Lord Jesus said this. Now, let's just establish this, please, among us. The Lord Jesus said it. Is it true? You'd have to say so, wouldn't you? If you don't, I'd like to talk to you after church. He said it, is it true? Will it come to pass in your life and my life? If he said it and it's true, then it's going to happen. Right, it's going to happen. Then should we prepare spiritually for it? I would say so, wouldn't you? I'd say so. So what are we preparing for? Things to go wrong. Things to happen externally, internally. We need to be prepared because in this world, you shall have. I want you to notice it doesn't say you might. It doesn't say it could happen to you. That's the affirmative. In this world, you shall have tribulation. The word tribulation is an interesting word there. It means to be compressed, to squeeze, to press down. It means to be afflicted or in distress. It's to pull in tension. I had a job at the Charlestown Navy Yard as an apprentice, and one of my jobs was to take these big castings, and they would cut them up. They would come from outside industry, and we would machine these castings down to rods with two giant ends on them, and they would hook those rods between this machine, and it would pull that steel until it snapped. It would pull it and pull it until boom! It was amazing to see. It was checking the tensile strength of the steel. Was it strong enough? for a ship to be able to withstand the tension. Was it strong enough 
for the pressure of steam inside a catapult on a carrier? Was it strong enough? And this is what our Lord Jesus Christ is saying. Listen, the world and the circumstances of this life are going to press you. They're going to pull you. It's going to stretch you. But be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. He lets us know we can trust him. We can trust him in every action. Now, let me ask you another question, if I could, please. Do you think the disciples underwent some problems? Have you ever read the book of Acts? If you haven't, I'd, I'd recommend it's good reading to you. What does God say about the disciples going through stress? Well, let's look at a couple. Could we please just to see that? Turn with me to Acts chapter 4. You recall, this is part of the first persecution of the disciples. They have been preaching the word. The Savior has ascended up unto glory, and he's told them, go in and witness for me throughout the entire world. And so they begin that right in Jerusalem, and, and they're called before the council, the Sanhedrin. This is one of the most frightening councils that anyone could go before. And as they get before the council, the people say, we do not want you teaching in this man's name. And we'll pick it up in 4 and verse 19. And Peter and John answered and said, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than it is unto God, you judge. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. And when they had further threatened them, they let them go. Well, that's not such a big deal. I've been threatened before, haven't you? That's not a big deal to be threatened. Yes, but this is the beginning of the end. For the disciples. They were threatened, but then it continues on. Look with me, please, at Acts chapter 5 and verse 17. The high priest rose up, and all that were with him, which is a sect of the Sadducees, and was filled with indignation. And they laid their hands upon the apostle and put them in the common prison. So they grabbed the twelve and they throw them right in prison. And the common prison, it was a filthy place, threw them all in there, and they're locked in there. When are they going to get out? We don't know. How long will they be in there? Will they be fed? You don't know. Will they be beaten? We don't know that either, but we know they're in prison right now. And that night, an angel came and unlocked the doors. Now, I wouldn't go to prison with those hopes if I were you. But that's what happened. An angel came, unlocked the door, and let them go. Well, you say, that's not too bad. Well, it gets worse. That's the problem. Turn with me to chapter 5, please, in verse 28. They regather the apostles before the Sanhedrin, saying, Did we not strictly command you that you should not teach in this man's name? And behold, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. Well, they did that to themselves, did they not? Well, sure they did. But, notice, Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. And the God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you slew and hanged on a tree. Him hath God exalted as right hand to be prince and savior, to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are his witness of these things. And so it is also the Holy Spirit whom God hath given to them that obey him. When they heard this, they were cut to the heart and took counsel how they ought to slay them. So they're looking for now to kill these apostles, these men. Look at verse 40, please. And to him they agreed, meaning this Gamaliel gave counsel to the council itself. And to him they agreed. And when they had called the, the apostles and beaten them, the term they are beaten is to buffet black and blue. They beat these guys senseless, the apostles, and commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. And when they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing, that they were counted worthy to suffer for his name's sake. Now, let me ask you, if the Lord Jesus had not mentioned it to them just a few 
weeks prior, if he had not mentioned this to them, what kind of situation do you think they would have been in after being imprisoned and beaten? Well, they would have got disgusted, wouldn't you think? What is this Christian stuff? You speak for God and you get beaten up for it? You speak for the Lord and you're thrown in prison? What is this Christian stuff all about? Well, it's all about what God said. Your present circumstances are not always going to be great, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. There's more to Christianity than the present circumstances. There's more to the Christian life than the problems you may be facing. And what's the more? It's everything God said in his word about the sufferings. It's everything God said in his word about the glory that shall be revealed in you. See, the world looks at the present time, and God says to us, I have something beyond that. I have something beyond this present time. I have truth that you need to understand. Turn with me to Acts chapter 9, just very quickly if we could. There was a man, you know him to be Saul of Tarsus, and Saul of Tarsus murdered Christians. He murdered Christians. I want to tell you that is a very difficult circumstance. I have never been in danger of being murdered that I know of. Maybe some of you would like to do that, but I'm not sure about that. With Christians, it was so with the Apostle Paul. He's coming. And he's coming to get you. And not only is he going to get you, he's going to get you and your children. And no one cares. No one cares. Except the Lord. He has a plan. He has a plan. And some of these Christians died. But what happened after their life ebbed from their bodies? They were absent from the body and present with the Lord. And so now, the Apostle Paul is creating havoc. Paul miraculously and gloriously gets saved. He becomes born again. He trusts the Lord Jesus Christ as his Savior as the Lord meets him on the Damascus Road. And God says, I have a plan for you, Paul. You're going to always have money. You'll always have a roof over your head. You're always going to be healthy, wealthy, and wise. You'll never have problems in your life. Isn't that correct? Not hardly. Look at chapter 9, if you would, please, picking it up in verse 15. God wants to commission a man named Ananias to go and tell Paul that God has a plan for him. And Ananias is a frightened, well, no, I've heard about this guy. He is something else. He kills Christians. He destroys Christians. He was on the way here to gather and kill Christians. And you want me to go and talk to him? Picking up in 9.15. But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. Okay? I'll deliver that. That's wonderful. You're going to go and see the king. You're going to declare the name of Christ before everyone. I don't mind going to tell him that. Wait a minute. I haven't finished my sentence, Ananias. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. See, there's going to be suffering, is there not? There's going to be suffering. The world is not the friend of a Christian. It's just not. We want them to be. We like them, but they don't like us. And why is that? It's because of who you represent. It's because of who you represent. In this world, you shall have tribulation. Now, you wouldn't have a problem if you didn't represent him. Remember Paul told Timothy, all who live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer tribulation problem. See, if you don't live for the Lord, no problem. No problem. You're one of them. If you talk the way they talk and act the way they act and dress the way they dress and, and say the things that they say, you're not a threat. Mention Jesus Christ, the room gets quiet.
people get very uncomfortable. You say, well, is it because of today? No, it's always been that way. It's always been that way. All those who live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer tribulation. So not only is the world going to be against you, but you're going to go through the physical things that the rest of the world goes through. I hope you understand we're not of a movement who doesn't think that you don't get sick. And if you get sick, it's because you're in sin. There's groups out there like that. And there's groups out there, they, they declare their healing. They can declare their own healing. I rebuke you, sore throat, in the name of Jesus. I wish it worked, don't you? I rebuke you, flu, in the name of Jesus. They do that. No, Christians get sick. Christians get cancer. Christians die. Why? Because they're supposed to. There's a time. There's a time to everything. There's a time to be born and there's a time to die. But what we do in between that is what God's looking at. And he wants us to recognize that we can have joy in the whole business. Turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 3, please. Paul is talking to Timothy. Timothy was heir apparent of Paul's ministry. Paul knows that. Paul has chosen out Timothy. He's taught Timothy. Timothy is going to take over for the apostle Paul. And Paul lets Timothy know that there's going to be problems, Timothy, in your life and in my life. He says in verse 10, 2 Timothy 3.10, But you have fully known my doctrine, what I taught, my manner of life, the way I lived, purpose of faith, long-suffering, love, and patience. You have known that, Timothy, about me. He said, persecutions which came unto me at Antioch, Iconium, Lystra. He said, what persecutions I endured, but out of them all the Lord delivered me. Well, wait a minute, Paul. The Lord delivered you? Yes, yeah, he delivered me, but that doesn't mean I got through them without some scars. Matter of fact, in the book of Galatians, remember he writes, I bear the marks in my body of the Lord Jesus. He's talking about scars, folks. He tells the Corinthians how many times he was beaten with rods, whipped, and everything else. Then he says in verse 12, Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution, and evil men and seducers shall become worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. What a thing to say. Talk about encouragement. This looks pretty dire. This looks pretty discouraging. No, he hasn't finished yet. He hasn't finished yet. Notice what he says to them, please, if you would, in verse 14. But continue thou in the things which you have learned and has been assured of knowing of whom you have learned them, that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith in Christ. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly or completely furnished unto every good work. What did Paul just tell Timothy? He told them exactly what the Lord Jesus Christ told them, did he not? In this world, there's going to be problems. Evil men, seducers, are going to come worse and worse. So what he's telling Timothy is, expect problems. Expect problems. Then he said, but remember, remember. And that's what God's calling for us to do, is he not? Remember. Remember who you belong to. Remember what he said and trust his word. Continue on, remember. Remember who you belong to. Yes, in this world, you're going to have troubles, but remember who it is. And remember what he said, and remember what the future is for you. Trust him, continue on. Expect distress, continue on. Remember your position. And so Paul continues all the way through the book of Philippians. Every letter he wrote, 
he let the men in whom he was writing to and the churches whom he was writing to recognize that he had a purpose. God had a purpose in their life. And even though they were going through terrible distress, more difficult than anyone in the United States has ever faced as a Christian, maybe except for the, the first settlers who came here and felt persecution. But up to this point, we have lived in a life of ease before the Lord. But remember, stress has come. Stresses individually and maybe one day collectively in this church. Now turn with me to Philippians, back to Philippians chapter 4, please. This was our responsive reading. I'm so thankful for the music and the words that were said prior to this because it kind of sets the stage. We're in Philippians chapter 4. The stresses are going to come upon all that live godly in Christ Jesus. They'll come because of some things we'll do contrary to the word of God. If you do something contrary to the word of God, Peter says, and you are incarcerated for it, perhaps, or you're threatened for it, or you're imprisoned for it, whatever the case may be, beaten for it, if you think, do things contrary to the word of God, what do you expect? What do you expect? But then Peter says, but if you suffer persecution for righteousness' sake, that is, you didn't do anything wrong, happy are ye, and glorify God in it. See, expect troubles to come. Continue on serving Christ. Remember the end of it. Remember who you belong to. Now in Philippians, we started with a responsive reading in chapter 4 and verse 4, verses 4 right down through verse 9. But you recognize, of course, Paul is, is calling for prayer, these folks, what their prayer life should be like. Well, chapter 4 and verse 4, they're to rejoice. Why? Because of whose they are, who they belong to to continue on. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. So remember, tough times are going to come, but rejoice and remember, verse 5, let your moderation be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. And then remember his promise, not to be anxious for anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. In verse 7, and the, the peace of God which passes all understanding will keep your hearts and your minds. So Paul lets them know that they they can expect problems, but they need to recognize and continue on serving Christ and remember his promises. Now in verse 8, finally, he uses a term here, uh, very interesting. The term finally has to do with not, and this is the end, but rather to continue on the rest. The rest you should know, he, can, he says essentially. The rest you should be aware of. The rest of the story, this should come to you, realizing that this is God's word. This is God's way. This is God's truth. Finally, brethren, if all that is true, chapters 1, 2, and 3, and 4, if, if, if it's all true, finally, brethren, whatever things are true. Now, we want to see that he's looking not only for the things that are true, but the excellent things. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are honest, I think other translations have noble there, but honest is, to me, the best translation of that. Whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. And those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me, do, and the God of peace shall be with you. So Paul wants to lift our eyes from the earthly circumstances that we're in, and place them upon the heavenly things. 
Not that you know earthly good, you have to continue on, continue. Being a testimony for Christ, honoring his name. But don't set your affections, Paul said, since you be risen with Christ, Colossians chapter 3. Set your affections on things above. Keep on seeking those things above, not the things on the earth. Why? For you, your life is hidden, you are dead and your life is hidden with God in Christ. And when Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall we also appear with him in glory. Set your affections on things above. Why? Because in this earth there's going to be problems. We need to expect them. And some Christians will march through these problems just trusting and honoring the Lord. And others just become immersed in the problem. And they can't see through the problem. They need our help. They need our encouragement. They need our prayer. And there are times when you think, well, when are they going to get over it? I don't know. I don't know. Well, they always mope and complain and squawk and cry about their present condition. Probably, I don't know. But that's not my business. That's God's business, you see. God needs to break through that. God needs to work in their heart. My heart is to try to encourage them, to try to lift them up. And if we can shift their focus from the present circumstances to remembering. Remember who God is and his purposes. Remember God has a plan. Remember, this isn't the end. If this is the end, folks, we were horribly cheated, right? Isn't that what Paul said? If Christ rose not from the dead, we are most deceived of everyone. But yea, Christ did rise from the dead. And we can trust his word and we can trust him. So Paul lets us know, continue on, but not only to continue on, continue on in the excellent things. Look for the excellent things, not, not just the good things. That which is excellent, that would be fitting Christianity, if you would. He says, whatever things are true. Now, the word true there has to do with that which is opposite a lie, or that which is real or genuine. As the term is used, the one true God, real, genuine, he's God. And that's truth. The Lord Jesus talked about the word of truth, did he not? That was his word, the word of truth. The Lord Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. The Holy Spirit's called the spirit of truth. And further, Paul calls the church of the living God the pillar and ground of truth. That's us. So whatever things are true, those are the things we're to think on, the true things. Listen, most of the world is a lie. They're immersed in it. They live in it. Why? Because the father of this world is a liar. He's a liar. The Lord Jesus told his disciples he was a liar from the beginning. And then he told the Pharisees, and you're one of his. In this world... People are going to lie to you. I don't understand that they lied to me. Why not? They're going to lie. They're going to lie. They're just going to do it. Unfortunately, some Christians follow in their stead. But recognize the world is going to lie. You need to focus on truth. Get your eyes off them. But he said when he was running for president, he was going to do this. He's not. He's lying. Just lying, that's all. After they get your vote, it's okay. My wife and I lived in Nashville, New Hampshire, and... Jimmy Carter calls himself a Christian. He may be. I don't, I don't know that. Please don't come and try and convince me. But he called himself a Christian. He was running in New Hampshire, and he was against gun control. First in the nation, vote, against gun control. I'm against gun control. Every Christian should have a gun. Yeah, 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 yeah. Went to Massachusetts. He's for it. Why? Because they like gun control down there. He's just one example, is he not? Over the generations, this has been true. Why? Because they have an agenda. They have an agenda, Paul said. So we want to focus on the truth. Expect the lies. Expect it. You can expect that. You can expect trouble. 
because of liars, but expect it and recognize and move on. Whatever things are true. Then he says, whatever things are noble, or the word honest in my King James Bible, whatever things are honest. The word honest has to do with venerable. It has to do with dignity. It has to do with character, position, honesty. There's not a lot of honest people around. There's just not. You might work with them, for them. Maybe some of the people you work with are honest, but for the most part, there's very few honest, truly honest people left in the world. Remember, the apostles were told for you to look among you. There were thousands saved, right? Thousands saved right after Pentecost. And he said, we want to look among you for seven men of honest report, noble men. Among the thousands, they found seven. That's good, isn't it? We want you to look for men of honest report. And I want to have you turn there, Romans 12 and verse 17, provide things honest in the sight of all men. That's a requirement for a Christian. People should not wonder whether you're going to do what you said. They shouldn't wonder. You should just do it. There's people in this church you can set your watch by. You can set your clock by. If they say that they're going to do it, they're going to be here and do it, or they're dead or taken in the rapture and you missed it, one or the other. I don't, I don't want to embarrass them. You'd never have to tell Russ Peterson to do his job, ever. You'd never have to tell other people in this place to do their job, ever, ever. Why? They're going to do it. They're just going to do it. Why? They're, they're meant, you can rely upon them. Women as well. You never have to wonder, are they going to show up? No. They're trustworthy in all that they do. And so we need people like that as Christians. The whim of Christians, it can be sad. I couldn't go because. Because of what? I couldn't help because of what? What stopped you from doing that? Was it dire? Well, no. This is my big toe was killing me, you know, that type of stuff. And you just wonder, you just wonder. But there's others you can trust. They're going to do what they said. And unfortunately, those people get all the work, right? Because <laughs> you can trust them and you give it to them. In Romans 13, 13, let us walk honestly as in the day, not unrestrained living, a drunkenness or immorality, strife. Let's walk honestly. Why? Because there's a day coming when God's going to require that. You're going to stand before the Bema seat of Christ and give, a, give an account for the things done in your body. And God wants us to know that we are to make sure that we are men of dignity of character, women of dignity of character, whereby we have said that we do something and we're going to do it. Why? Why? Because the present circumstances are not worthy to be compared with the glory that will be revealed in us. So we go through these things, and we, we might even suffer some of these things, and we all recognize that it can be very difficult, and no one's diminishing anything you may go through. No one is. We all have our burdens, each, each and every one of us. Some of them spoken, some of them seen, some of them unseen, not spoken. We all have our burdens to bear. But recognize this, they're not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. There's but small things in life situations. So our Lord Jesus said, recognize in the world you're going to have troubles. Then he said, but be of good cheer. Continue on, but be of good cheer. Why? Because I've overcome the world. And being in Christ, God gets the final victory. Let's pray in his name. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for your revealed truth, the truth of the word of God. That, Father, though in this life, we may and will go through troubles 
And yet, Father, you say to us that we have to be of good cheer, that you have overcome the world. Help us to trust you, rely upon you, to give you all the praise, honor, and glory. We pray for Pastor Rob as he ministers to these sailors and other military men and women. Pray, Father, that your word would work in their souls so not only would they be the heroes that we see here on earth, but they'll also be children of God in glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.